Welcome to De-Stress Your Business, the podcast where we show you how to get incredible results in your business without constant stress. I'm Alexis Kingsbury, a serial entrepreneur and founder at Air Manual. Now today I have the pleasure of hosting a true master of cash flow, MC Lobshire. He's the creator and host of the top rated Cashflow Ninja podcast and also the president of Producers Wealth, a firm that's dedicated to holistic wealth creation strategies. He's also an investor and a business owner. And in our conversation today, we'll uncover the ninja techniques that uh, can be used to optimize cash flow, to protect your wealth and seize growth opportunities. MC, it's fantastic to have you here. Thank you. Fantastic to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Looking, I've been looking forward to our conversation. Brilliant. Well, uh, let's start by perhaps if you could share, uh, MC, uh, perhaps a pivotal moment or story from your j- journey that truly sort of defines and explains your passion for cash flow and wealth creation. Yeah, I think uh, so. I'm originally from South Africa. I uh, grew up in South Africa during a very interesting time period, obviously in the country's uh, the country's history. Um, and, um, I just remember, and I was, you know, in my, in my young teens. So there was a lot of uncertainty. There was a lot of, uh, unknowns, uh, you know, a lot of people were completely out of their comfort zone. There was a a time of like a period, I would say for like two to three years that I can still, uh, remember as just a time that people didn't really know what was, what, what to expect, what's coming next. Like, what does the future look like? And so forth. Um, and this actually plays into, comes into my story a little bit later, where I felt like that experience gave me a pretty good, um, like, it, it really, really uh, gave me a, a big advantage going through that as a, as a very, as a young man later in life, uh, and especially in business and investing. But uh, from South Africa, I went to the United States. Uh, around about 2001, I played sports up until 2007 there. But I traveled, um, and and while when you when you're traveling on sports teams, you get into all kinds of stuff, right? So you, know, you can get into video games and games and books and that kind of stuff. I was one of those guys that got into uh, reading history and economic books. It's my major and in, in, in in college as well. And one day, uh, my, my mom actually gave me a copy of uh, Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, I took action right away, bought my first investment property six months later. Um, I had tenants in the investment property. Uh, they were paying me rent, covering all of the expenses associated with the property and the management. And at the end of the month, there was cash flow uh, available, money left over. And it was a, it was a light bulb moment for me. Uh, cause I, I started to see that this could really work. I, I know it's in books, but until you do it yourself and you see it firsthand, uh, it's all just a theory, right? Uh, so, um, yeah, at, at that point I started to, I started to think bigger and think like, well, if I have one and this is how it works, like how many of these can I do? Um, and then it, of yeah. course, you have to build a business in the real estate space, right? And approach it as a business. It's not just uh, investments. And especially if you wanted to grow and scale a real estate portfolio, you have to you have to build a business to be able to do that. Just as you build a business uh, for it to be able to be scalable. Um, so what that then turns into is not so much the cash flow, but also the cash flow efficiency 
of the business. Um, and that served me pr pretty well. So um, we looked at a lot of the cash flow efficiencies and so forth in it. Um, and, you know, I've been involved in many other uh, businesses since that, startup businesses. I've failed horribly and miserably and have uh, some relative success in the success in the other ones. Uh, I started a, um, a podcast in, in 2016, uh, and it was basically a passion project, and it's called Cashflow Ninja. And it was basically just a passion project to share different types of business and investing strategies. So we covered everything from business, real estate, commodities, cryptocurrencies, paper assets, and so forth. Um, and I mean, it, it turned into a pretty, uh, pretty decent show pretty quickly, which was very unexpected. We were just having a lot of fun. And we have, uh, you know, before we know it, it's millions of downloads around the world, 180 countries. And we've built a, 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 an education business out of it where we now have three podcasts on that platform. Um, we have books talking about all the different cash flow strategies and niches that we've reviewed uh, and, and masterminds. So that's been a lot of fun. And then I've, I'm also involved in a company called Producers Wealth, which I founded. It's an insurance brokerage focusing on very uh, advanced uh, ins life insurance strategies for people in the United States. So we do that and we started it completely virtually. So it was a complete yeah. digital brokerage, uh, which, you know, now everybody's like, oh, wow, this is great. You know, when I started that in 2014, um, you know, you were you were the creepy guy on, on the Internet, to, you know, doing life insurance, right? It's funny how the world kind of catches up on certain trends. Um, but it's a lot of fun. And, and, you know, one of the reasons why I shared my, my story from South Africa as a young man going through a time of turbulence, a little bit of chaos, uncertainty, you didn't really know what was coming next in business and investing that getting, being comfortable with being uncomfortable is like, you know, is it could be construed almost as a superpower, right? Um, and that's helped, helped me on the sports field. It's helped me in business and investing. And especially in the world today that we're navigating, there's a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of um, chaotic things happening globally in our environment constantly. So, um, yeah, I think being comfortable being uncomfortable is going to serve everyone if you're a business owner and investor very very well in the, in the coming years yeah lo love that and i think that's something that um uh, i definitely have seen in so many areas of business and life right that that ability to um be uncomfortable and know that that's what you're meant to do you know it's often right. talked about in uh, like in the world of investment as you know where if everyone else is zigging you zag you know it's uh, and and yep. because ultimately that's that's where the opportunities are and and that is uncomfortable and you have you do have to get kind of um comfortable with it and the same for when you're looking at long-term investment you have to be comfortable with the fact that early on it's it might in the short term uh, look quite bad and and be quite painful and and sort of stay in the course and so there's all these hard almost paradoxes of um, life but particularly investment and running running um, your finances. Um, are there any other like counterintuitive principles that that you've found to be consistently effective in creating wealth and um, or any sort of uh, real world stories of where you've seen those those kind of come into play? 
Yeah, being a contrarian in business and investing is going to serve you really well. And to your point, yeah, if everybody's going one way, if you're standing on the opposite in the beginning, people will look at you like you're like a little a little bit crazy, right? A crazed lunatic. Yeah. But eventually, um, for most of the time in my experience, and you know, I've, I've read a lot of uh, autobiographies and biographies, and the story is very, very similar. Most of the time, um, you know, standing on the opposite side of where everyone else is at is going to serve you very, very well, and you're going to end up being on the right side uh, in an environment. Uh, or in a marketplace. So being a contrarian right now, I'll, sh I'll, I'll share with you a kind of um, a current scenario. So in the, you know, we've seen uh, obviously a lot of very, very uh, disruptive kind of stuff happening since 2020. And in 2020, we put out a lot of controversial information and podcasts saying like, look, um, th this was going to happen because the underlying thing happening globally is that technology is increasing at such a speed and at such a pace that I don't think people understand it or can fathom it. Um, some are getting an idea right now with AI, just playing around with it. And this is the stuff that's available to everyone, right? We're not even talking about what's in the labs. So this technology thing is something that, We've been keeping an eye on, and this brings about a lot of disruption, which then manifests itself differently in the marketplace. Um, you know, it was, I think it was Grant Cardone that, that, that said, we're, we're living on an economic, like this is an economic planet. So everything that happens with an economy that's disruptive manifests itself in different ways. And that's why you're seeing, you know, globally, a lot of populist movements and, and so forth. So I think like from a contrarian standpoint and thinking as a contrarian, um, since the loss that, well, the great financial crisis, right? The GFC, as they call it now in our world in 2000 and, and in 2008 and 2009, um, and having been a business owner investor during that time, I mean, what that I mean, better than any college education or any MBA program that period of time was. Um, and a lot, a lot of lessons learned, a lot of stuff uh, done correctly, a lot of stuff done incorrectly. But we, we got through that. I always say it would make for a better story if you tell people that you lost everything in 2008, 2009. And look, look at me now. But that was not the case. Definitely everybody got, got a couple of, of, of knocks. Um, but you, 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 you plug on. Um, we've had a fantastic run. I would say that kind of bottomed out around 2011, 2012 from an yeah. investment cycle. So at the point of the most amount of pain, that is when the professional investors come in. That's where you yeah. get the, you know, the, and, and I mean, a lot of business owners take advantage there too, because they know that this, this is bottom yeah. up. This economic cycle is bottom up. This is the time to really be aggressive in the marketplace uh, because everybody's very, very fearful, right? Warren Buffett said to be, you know, fearful when everyone is greedy and be greedy when everyone is fearful. The Rothschild family is famous for uh, their quotes about buying when there's blood in the streets, right, in, in, in stock markets. So that's when professionals go to work. And that's when they really, really uh, get in and start to play big. And then you've had a run up now 
uh, you know, t- I would say it bottom, uh, it, it topped at around 2020, this, this current cycle of where yeah. we're at. Um, and I mean, obviously 2012, the professionals comes in like by 2015, 2016, the market has turned, everybody's getting excited. You know, 2018, you've got now it's, everybody's moving to the, to the one side, as you mentioned, right? Where just the professional guys are standing by themselves, the contrarians alone. Now the, the entire market has moved that way. 20, 2021, obviously there was a lot of extra other influences and a lot of other factors to consider, but it was, I mean, there was money creation and currency creation globally, unlike we've seen before. So that even took it to the next level. You had euphoria. And it was just interesting to watch what a lot of a lot of professional investors do at that time. A lot of them exited. A lot if you look at what the and if you look at what they're doing now, not only are they exiting, but they're hedging. So they you know, we would say that the market topped at 2020. And now again, when everybody was excited about an asset class, being real estate, being the market, being, you know, cryptocurrency and so forth. Um you, it's time to be a contrarian again, you know, it's, and go to the other side of it and saying, this is a cycle, just like the sun goes up, comes up and it goes down and it's nighttime or the four seasons, you're not negative or pessimistic or optimistic or overly, you know, overly optimistic. It's just, you, you see what's in front of you and you play it differently. So in 2012 was a fantastic time to aggressively chase yields and grow and scale businesses. Now, at the time of recording in 2023 is a great time for capital preservation and becoming very efficient in your business. Um, the economy, the real economy is not even softening. It's, it's worsened, right? And, you know, you have to, you, you have to uh, be cognizant of the, the lens through which you view the world, and especially the current world. Just because the just because definitions change, you know, of recessions, for example, doesn't mean that you know it's not a you know it's not a recession. So we looked at stuff and we looked at the economy slowing down, and obviously they changed the metrics by which this is now what the, the terminology of what type of environment it is. But we looked at this and said this is slowing down, this is recession territory. The economy is slowing down, and they now. As I've shared, we're a contrarian on the other side. So, you know, for investors, it's a time for capital preservation. For business owners, the same thing, capital preservation. And cash flow efficiency is big. So to get ahead of the crowd, you know, you need to be as efficient from a cash flow standpoint in your personal business and investing economy. So look in your look inside your business of where there's inefficiencies, which when the good times run, eh, you can probably, you know, you could still you could still have them in there and it's not going to make that big of a difference, but when there's a crunch coming a little bit ahead, then that could make a massive dif- difference and that could provide some liquidity and cash flow in your business to get you to plug through. Uh, a more, you know, challenging economy. Yeah, nice. And I, I think that's a really smart way of looking at it, both in terms of, uh, as you say, like taking that contrarian view to to see where everyone else seems to be feeling about the market. And as a result, um, deciding, OK, I'm going to make sure that if everyone's buoyant and, and uh, euphoric about this, I'm going to make sure that I'm protected and in a good position to go into the next stage. And I think that's really strong. 
But I also really like your point around what does that actually mean as an investor, as a business? Because often what you'll hear is things like, oh, well, you know, this is a good time to be holding cash. Like, you know, um, whereas before you'd be saying, oh, yeah, yeah invest, you know, buy stuff. It's uh, you're getting it. You know, there's blood in the streets, therefore invest. And right now you might say, actually, you want to be conserving cash. And a lot of people say, well, that's all well and good, but I haven't got any. Like, you know, it's, it's been a tough time. We've had COVID, we've had uh, inflation, we've had, you know, all these sorts of things. I haven't got piles of cash that I'm sitting on and, and um, building them suddenly is very tough. And I love your point around, therefore, the opportunity right now is to look at your cash flow efficiency or your, your operational efficiency. And I think there are um, a couple of pieces in there. One is in my experience shine a spotlight on something and it generally improves so if you make it your objective in the company that you're going to be able to do more with the same resource or you're even going to be able to scale back your resource and still achieve the same things just shining uh, a spotlight on those processes and documenting them and as a result like working out oh hang on we don't need to do it three different ways and here's some waste i think is powerful but also as you mentioned before around technology that we have now that we didn't have a year two years ago means that there's opportunity for doing that now more than ever right so um yeah i absolutely um love that as a as a concept something i also want to uh, ask you is around you know on, on your podcast on cashflow ninja you've interviewed numerous experts across a variety of different areas i know it's hard because there's so many but are there any um strategies or approaches that have stood out for you from that that's been a, perhaps a game changer for you personally uh, and why uh, i think like one of the things that really um have stayed with me is uh i had a great interview with jim rogers which is the you know legendary investor and he was talking about business and investing and he was saying just how we overcomplicate things so much and he likes it very very simple um and you know one of the things that he said about you know business if you can explain it to a five-year-old it, it's very simple then you've got you have a better chance of uh succeeding you know he said in meetings where people talk about business opportunities and it's like he doesn't even know after the, you know the person that's that sharing this opportunity has spoken for an hour he's like i'm still trying to figure out what they do um where it's simple businesses uh in simple business models it's just it makes so much sense and especially in struggling economies when times get tougher um if you can simplify things it's great i mean we were looking at um we look we look at a ton of business opportunities uh now uh because to your point you know some of the and this is the one thing that i want to leave with your listeners too during tough times is actually when the fortunes are made and created you know if you look back in the history uh in i mean go back to the great depression and you look at all the businesses i mean people can just go online and and do their research of the businesses that were created you know especially in the, in the united states during the great depression it'll blow you away um we and we don't even have to go that far away or, yeah. or far back right let's go just go back to the last great financial crisis the gfc in 2008 2009 right uber came out of that Airbnb came out of that, that whole sharing economy. There were so many businesses mm. in the sharing space came out of that. 
So there were people that looked at the environment and say, there's opportunity here because of all these challenges and problems and so forth. So in, you know, so to businesses, simplify, keep it simple. And we look at businesses and it needs to be so simple. Uh, I mean, you want to take away all the levels of complexity now, because when things are tough and you've got a turbulent environment, you want it simple. Um, you know, one of the th opportunities that we look at, for example, they um, for some reason, I don't know why, but car washes in the United States are continue to do well. And if you look historically, even during slowing economies, I mean, they still they still do well. And I mean, it was just I was blown away when you look at all of the data that's available in the metrics and so forth. And if you think about it, you know, everybody's going to have a dirty car. Uh, you know, uh, maybe some people wash it themselves during a tougher economy. But for the most part, if you have a membership subscription at a very low uh, uh, entry point and your business model revolves around automating the whole thing, it's still a very viable business. And look at that business. You got a dirty car. I'll wash it for you. Boom. There you go. Yeah. And you so pay me at the end of it. Uh, very simple. And from investing, uh, Jim Rogers said the same thing from the how investors overthink things. And he said, MC, I'd like to, I like to just wait in a room and sit until the money's just lying in the corner for me. And then I go over there and I just pick it up. That's what I do. Cause I asked him about his investment strategy. And I said, and so what he was basically just saying is, you know, people are trying to look for angles and gimmicks and oh, this strategy and so forth. He just looks at, assets that are so hated, so undervalued that nobody wants to touch. Again, that blood in the street scenario, that 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 scenario where nobody wants to get involved in it. And then he goes and picks it up and picks up a whole bunch of it. And that's kind of served him well. So um, and so I, that, that's what I would share this. Just simplify it. And um, again, con, you know, contrarian, I guess, is the theme of, of his investment strategy, like we shared of how um, like I, like I shared, uh, you know, their cycles, they, they will continue just like the sun comes up and goes down and the seasons change. The same thing's going to happen in economies. So you just have to adjust your game. Um, and there's opportunities in, in, in all of them. And now's a great time to your point. A lot of people say, well, what, how do I position cash is a very good one. You want to have liquidity when nobody else has liquidity. That's one yeah. of the Big lessons from 2008, 2009 that I would share. When, and diving into that then, because something that's um, a relatively simple thing that businesses can do and um, to help them with liquidity is to essentially kind of plug their cash flow leaks, right? Um, yep. Can you perhaps share a time when perhaps you've helped a business to discover and plug a significant leak or where you've done that in a business that you own or that you've invested in or anything like that? And, and what's, what was then the impact to their, to their bottom line? Yeah, I've got a great, great one, a great story for your case study, a real life one that happened in one of our businesses. So one of the businesses that we're invested also in um, and own is historic resorts in the United States. It's got to have a mystique about it. it. It has to have some unique characteristics. So one of the resorts, for example, is the third oldest winery in the United States. Um, yep. it's, in, it's in New Jersey. And um, it still has the ability, because this is before all the, all the labeling rights and so forth, it, you could still produce American champagne legally. 
there's three wineries that that's allowed this in the United States. So you can drink American champagne, which is a kind of unique characteristic about it. It's a winery, but obviously we turn it into a wedding venue. There's a golf course, there's a hotel and so forth. So there's a couple of these properties that, that we have. The one thing that's fascinating about resorts is the amount of equipment that needs to be leased for many different things, whether it's weddings, whether it's outdoor festivals, because we have a lot of live music on a lot of these properties and so forth. It's, it's staggering. So in reviewing um, just financials for our properties, we looked at this and go, this is kind of insane. The amount of money cash flow that's just being leaked to another outside third party uh, for equipment rentals. So we then formed another entity, a company, bought all the equipment ourselves. Uh, we also had investors that invest with us. Um, and so on that side, setting up a separate entity, buying all the equipment in the United States, I'm not sure how it works in other countries, but you get a very, very nice tax benefit from doing that because you can depreciate the equipment. So uh, in the tax code in the U.S., you're actually encouraged to do that because if you're buying equipment, you're using in your business, you're generating more revenue and there's more tax revenue for for the for the government. So um, so we took the equipment, we put it into an entity, we we benefited from the tax benefits from it. But separately from the tax benefits, you now all of the cash flow that you're paying to outside vendors and third parties from leasing it is now going back into an entity which you now have ownership of and the, the 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 same group that has an ownership in the resorts so now we're keeping that that cash flow in our pool um so that's one way of doing it you know if you're another thing that i'll share that i do too is um when you look when you're a business that uses a lot of software there's so much overlap right now in the software world and especially now with the AI stuff coming out, it's just kind of crazy. Um, and that's hard to just stay on top of because there's something else. I feel like every week there's a new app coming out now in AI. But um, if you like software is, is one area where if you can uh, take everything into one piece of software where you now like a three, four, five, six, seven pieces of software. That's another way to plug uh, to to plug some cash flow leaks. Um, yeah, and then I would also say from a cash flow efficiency, not just plugging it, is managing uh, just payables and receivables right now. You know, and and this is a this is a lesson that we learned from um, from COVID as well during because uh, there was I don't know I'm not sh- quite sure how it was in Europe and in the UK, but in the United States too there was a um, there was a time period where folks legally, uh, the government signed a mandate that people didn't have to pay rent, right? Um, so kind of like a, yeah. So th- there was a time period for a number of months where they were kind of given a pause because of the environment at that stage. Yeah. Now, if you have a very large real estate portfolio, well, that that could be challenging right there. So um, very good operators and business owners got in front of that. So what you can do to get in front of that is offering certain discounts and uh, do certain incentives for people 
to pay their rent and still pay their rent on time. And because of that, being proactive uh, when that happened, because as soon as that, I believe it was a mandate, you know, there's a lot of different terminology for all these things. But as soon as that came through, we try to get ahead of that and we were proactive. So when you look at how the properties performed on their financials, there wasn't a huge drop off. Because Yes, we had to, to make some concessions. Yes, there's some discounts, but you were still collecting rent at that time where people that didn't, they only, I mean, they, they only woke up mm. two to three months into this when they started to see their financials. They were in big trouble. So I would say the same thing for business owners right now. If it's a slowing economy, look at your payables and receivables and figure out too, especially if, you know, if there's a 30 to 60 to 90 days, there's different payment terms, of course, in different businesses all over the world. But look at what you can do there to incentivize people to get uh, well, to get payments into you sooner, uh, because as things get tougher and tougher, that's just going to that's just going to get tougher. So that's another way of increasing cash flow efficiency. Yes, you, you might have to make concessions. Yes, you might have to offer some discounts, but at least you're getting ahead of all the stuff and you're getting some cash flow in, which is the, the lifeline and the lifeblood of a business. Yeah, really, really nice. And and so when um, when you've seen those uh, strategies go in place, um, what, what's kind of the, as you say, you know, it drops down to the bottom line when you do this kind of stuff. What's been the, the scale of the impact that you've seen? Because I've worked with some businesses where, you know, they've been in trouble in terms of their cash flow. And we look at it and we go, okay, well, a few changes to the processes here on accounts payable, a few changes here on accounts receivable, a few changes here in terms of how they're managing their costs. And the impact has like taken them from half a million in the red to being like two, three million in the black, like with a, their significant changes in relative terms, but it's like relatively few. Like what's been your experience of that um, uh, with the businesses that you've worked with? Yeah, I haven't seen the latest updates of the that example that I gave you, but it that amounts to several millions of dollars. Yeah. You know, over the course That's of what I figured. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not small change. And the nice thing about that too is because of how the tax code is structured in the US is that you can do this all over again in a number of years. I believe it's five. Um, not a CPA or a tax strategist, but around about like in five years, you can you can yeah. get buy more equipment and do the same thing over again. So, um, yeah, so it is a profound impact. And on the real estate example that I gave you, that's the difference between getting in trouble with uh, with lenders. I mean, you could really uh, I mean, you could put the you could put the asset that that you own at that stage at risk and be at risk of losing that asset if you don't mm. control those cash flows. So um, I think being proactive, um, seeing what's going, what, what what's happening out there um, and, and just recognizing things for what they are and not what we want them to be. I think that's a, that's, that, that's another, that's another thing that I think is going to serve you well uh, this year and in the coming years. Um, I would say at least, you know, two to three years, if you look at previous cycles, um, there's of course emerging, you know, uh, technologies as we've said too. That that's yeah, gonna, yeah, sure. That you and and st staying on the cash flow efficiency one, you know, I didn't even bring that up. There are so many AI 
apps right now that can be utilized for cash flow efficiency, time efficiency. You know, uh, someone shared an AI application with me the other day, just of how the AI will uh, reorganize your entire calendar to make sure that you that you don't have dead space in your calendar, and they would reschedule all of your appointments and send email to the you know to the folks that notifying them that that you know you you know is it okay if we can reschedule this meeting and so forth, which is kind of crazy. So if they you know just think of from a time management aspect, they can do that. I'm sure there's a ton of apps. Uh, I haven't, I haven't gone down that rabbit hole. That's, that, that's still something that I will do that could do the same thing for business owners and investors when it comes to uh, cash flow efficiency. That's cool. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the, the landscape out there is changing so quickly with these AI tools, like what you can do in terms of time efficiency, et cetera, is very powerful. There's, there's pieces now coming around cash flow efficiency. One that's really struck me is how, because of almost how easy it is to build um, front ends on AI back ends, um, we're seeing so many, like literally thousands of these like AI apps pop up. Um, and it reminds me a little bit of the early days of iPhone and Android apps where um, you had apps that largely do things that you'd really just like to be able to do with your phone. Like, do you remember the days of Torch? Like that was an app that you could buy for like a dollar or well, I think it may have even started off more expensive than that, which literally goes, yeah, what we're going to use is your flash from your camera and this app turns it on and you can use that as a torch. And like people are spending money on that. Whereas, of course, now you just take it for granted that that's a feature that's built into your phone. And I, I think we're going to see that even faster with AI where, you know, you get these tools like tools for cash flow, um, uh, you know, improving your cash flow efficiency. And you can totally imagine that those, that AI just gets built into whatever you're already using, right? Built into your bookkeeping and accounting tool, right? Or, or into yeah. your sales system or something to, to kind of leverage that. But regardless, like regardless of whether you're using a new AI tool or whether you're um, utilizing AI features that come available in existing tools that you have, like the, the power of being able to, to use that. Like for us at Air Manual, for, you know, one of the challenges that our customers have is, okay, I want to document these processes. In some cases, we know what the process should look like. In some cases, we're not sure. And as a result, you know, we're building right now, be releasing soon, like the ability to create a process based on a clip from AI that uses the context that it's got to then give you a really good starting point. And I think, those are examples and we're going to see that in so, or like all the tech that we're using basically allows us to either be more time efficient or more cash efficient or whatever. And so, yeah, you've kind of got to be the um, on the lookout uh, for these. Um, I'm also aware that, you know, we've you've shared numerous examples now where um, opportunities have arisen from challenges, whether it's challenges in the wider economy, challenges for a specific business, like or just, you know, identifying a, a cash flow leak. Um, are, yeah. are there any examples of uh, perhaps a specific example of business that you've worked with and, and how it's had to pivot during a crisis, perhaps particularly where cash flow is at risk and as a result unlocked a massive growth opportunity? I can, yeah, I could share a really good one with you. And this it, this is also sticking on the, the example that I shared with uh, resorts. So we have, yeah. uh, and we have a fantastic operator and, and, uh, he's just a, a, a partner that's just, he's just on top of this stuff. Um, so when, um, the, the, the country and the economy was, was shut down and, and, and locked down, um, 
obviously that's going to pose a massive, massive challenge for any business owner. And it was for many, many business owners, right? Uh, kind of like something that came out of from nowhere. Um, and now, you know, we, we had resorts, which means we had hotels, restaurants, a wedding venue. And you're like, wow, uh, mm. this is going to be kind of challenging. Um, yeah. At first, you're kind of like, well, how do you pivot from this? And then eventually putting, coming up with ideas. And this was his idea and his wife's idea is, when you look at the the regular the the regulations that was what 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 was put in place, it still allowed for outside activities. So, um, and this was uh, something that came about. I mean, we started an outdoor kind of scene during the summer with live music and so forth, and stations that folks can come. So everything that used to be inside is now was now basically outside you could do wine tasting outside and so forth so people still i mean people were basically you know uh claustrophobic stuck in one place for a while so they wanted to get out and they could get out and uh they could come to the property within their comfort levels and enjoy you know a meal and wine and so forth and listen to listen to live music well that kind of moved into the winter where uh, my partner's wife's idea was to create this entire winter pop-up village, like on the property, because it's an, a decent-sized property. Um, and they did that, and we put an ice ice skating rink in there, um, different like kind of stations, and it was just—I mean, it was it was spectacular. It almost looked like a, a nice this little winter village, you know, somewhere in Europe. So, um, and this became a main attraction for folks in that area. Um, and this was never part of the business plan. So when yeah. everything the economy started opening back up and everything went back to back to normal, now you have this additional kind of feature that you were forced into, which is now a, one of the main attractions in the winter for wow. this property. So we still have the ice skating rink. We still do all like this winter pop up village with wine and uh, you know food and 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 so forth. So um, it's been, I mean fascinating at that time i mean we didn't really know how that was going to work out but it worked out really really well and it's become a mainstay now it's now a feature of of that property so that i would say that's one of the big ones where you really really had to dig dig really deep and pivot um i would say another example that i would share with folks is and this is what i learned from a mentor of mine and this is especially this is a lesson that i learned and one of the the insurance business that we have is one of the things is in the information age, which we were in, um, to have a competitive advantage, you have to be in business 24-7, 365, which was a very tough concept for folks. So to understand, because that'll really give you a competitive advantage. So I looked at that and I said, well, instead of saying, well, that I can't do that. Well, how can I have my business running? which is digital, you know, 24-7, 365. So we uh, invested a lot in the learning curve of utilizing sales funnels uh, because a sales a sales funnel, which, you know, everybody's probably heard of Russell Brunson and ClickFunnels and so forth, yeah. um, that we added that element to all of our businesses because now our our business was open regardless of what time of the day. 
uh, open for business where someone would go to our website or find one of our landing pages and they would watch a sales presentation. They would book a call. Um, and regardless of what time of the, of the day it is. So that was, that was huge. And I mean, the, I love the, the proof of concept. When I went to go visit family in South Africa and we were sitting in the vineyard drinking wine basically all day, I came back to logged in to see what, the, what was happening with the business. And you could just see all these people. I believe in one day, it was 45 people that came through our sales funnel, watched the presentation, and we had 13 calls booked from the, the, that day for, you know, con, consulting with my company. So that made me realize that, yeah, you just have to, and for 365 days a year, you can be, you can be open. And by the way, a lot of our traffic, which is also interesting in the United States come, comes over holidays. We get traffic yeah. spikes to our businesses because people are so busy. So now they have some time, you know, so they've got thanks. Let's just say Thanksgiving, which is a huge holiday in the United States. And all of a sudden people are on now watching like a, you know, 20 to 30 minute sales presentation and book booking calls over that weekend. Um, and that, and I'll add to that. So you kind of almost have to be like a tech company. You know, you had yeah. to be a tech company. And now I would say, you know, this is probably something to look at in the future. I, I could see how people would say in a year from now, not only do you need to be a tech company and be open three, 365 days a year, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, but you also have to be an AI company, you know, in some way, shape or form. So I could kind of see that transformation, you know, going where yeah, most companies needed to have a tech aspect to it too. And you're going to have to need a AI aspect to it in the future. Yeah, in some in some way, you, there'll be some aspect of your business where you're attempting to deliver value to your clients, where either you can do a better job of that by leveraging AI, or you can do the same job of it, but significantly cheaper. And if you're not already looking at where that is in your business right now, it's probably a good time to start. Um, I'm conscious that uh, as we uh, start to uh, come up for time, um, I'm thinking that for, for listeners who are perhaps eager to, to take action now on some of the things uh, that we've talked about, I'm conscious that uh, you know, there's, there's little things that people can do that can deliver outsized positive results. Um, and so it'd be really interesting to hear based on you know, your experiences, uh, perhaps either a quick story of one of those. Um, or the other angle I was uh, considering going down is we haven't talked a lot about um, why Ninja when it comes to Cashflow Ninja. What's the, what's the approach? And, and I suspect that we can probably combine those two things about how you can be agile and work like a ninja and get some outside results. So uh, I've, I've set you quite a hard challenge there, MC, but closes out with an answer to that. Yeah. So the ninja is my father's actually a pretty well-known martial artist that travels around the world teaching martial arts. He's uh, wow. kind of, uh, yeah, it's, he's, he, uh, he's a beast. He's uh, 75 years old, uh, trains every single day, does still does clap push-ups, and he's just an unstoppable force. But one of the, one of the things that I learned from him is um, the mindset in martial arts and especially uh, his type of more specific martial art of traditional karate is um, he tries to pursue excellence daily. So he's never, he never feels that he's arrived in excellence. Um, so it, I think for business owners and investors, 
that's a very good mindset to have that every single day you get up and you just try to become better in business and investing. I think that sometimes when you feel like you've got things figured out, that's probably where something's going to come uh, and, uh, you know, knock you off your pedestal, right? Rightfully so. So it helps you stay humble. It helps you stay focused. It helps you get up daily and just become better, better in business, better in investing. And you are trying to pursue excellence, which, you know, the goal is never to obviously to get it because it's it's unattainable. You know, the, the best business owners and investors uh, have never you know gotten there. Um, so they just continue to pursue it too. So that's kind of the mindset behind that. Um, and then I think one I of think, the I, questions. I think, that answer, I think that answers the question there, MC. I think that's absolutely spot on because I, I, I think that answers my brief of explain the ninja bit. And then for me, the big one thing that, a, that anyone listening can do is shifting that mindset and particularly the focusing on the excellence, knowing that it's impossible to do it all the time in every aspect. But at the same yep. time, holding a mindset of doing it is one little thing that we can all do and get some outsized positive results. So I absolutely yep. love that. Thank you, MC. And thank you so much for, for joining me. For people who would like to learn more, hear more of your stories, uh, hear more of the great insights uh, that both you and guests on your show have shared, where's the um, the best place for people to, to check you out and learn more? Cashflowninja.com. So we do, like I said, we talk a lot about business, also investing. Uh, and we've got a ton of resources there we, of all the folks that we've interviewed in different cash flow niches, whether it be real estate, very interesting businesses, AI businesses, whether it be commodities, gold, silver, oil, uh, even uh, whiskey these days, fine art, fine, art, fine wines and, and so forth. And then uh, obviously a ton of paper assets to cashflowninja.com. Everything that we do is there. Fantastic. Well, I'm uh, uh, both keen in uh, both investing in and consuming uh, wine and whiskey. So next time you're in the UK, uh, MC, give me a shout. Um, but uh, but thank you very much for that. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, and in terms of working on some of the areas that we've uh, also alluded to, so one area we've talked about AI quite a bit and how to leverage that. If you're a business leader who's looking to uh, leverage that with your team, uh, do check out the guide that uh, we we wrote over at Air Manual, uh, the Business Leader's Guide to Using AI in ChatGPT, which looks like this. Um, yeah. And that's available at airmanual.link forward slash AI forward slash ebook. Uh, we also wrote a guide as well for business leaders on how to improve their cash flow. We talked a bit about uh, earlier about uh, shining that spotlight on your cash flow processes, on caps receivable, payable, and so on. Uh, you can check that out at airmanual.link forward slash cash flow forward slash ebook. Uh, but otherwise, thank you so much, MC, for joining me. Uh, to everyone else, please do subscribe to the podcast to hear more guidance on how to scale your business without stress. And if you really want to help out, please do share this episode on your social media uh, with your friends. Uh, give us a review, all that kind of stuff. We'd really, really appreciate it. Otherwise, until next time, have fun.